I'm delighted to welcome listeners once again to the Mansour Voice podcast. This series, which we launched earlier in 2020, helps to shine a spotlight on the Mansour Group, which was recently named the most important Arab family business by Forbes magazine. The podcasts also reflect on some of the big themes of the day, including, of course, COVID-19 and its impact on the global economy. And as with previous episodes, I'm delighted that we're once again joined by Mr. Mohammed Mansour, who, of course, is the co-chair of the Mansour Group. Hello, Mr. Mansour. Hi, Dom. I'm very glad to be here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, Me too. Um, Thank you. And we're calling this episode A New Beginning, uh, which is designed to reflect uh, the permanent and lasting changes that 2020 is bringing about. Uh, Changes in the way we do business, changes in the way uh, we use technology, uh, changes in the way that we communicate, and also changes in the way we see business and entrepreneurs and the role uh, that, that they play in society. Now, many of these trends were underway before the pandemic, uh, but they've accelerated and become embedded in our systems and cultures in a very short period of time. And in this episode and the next few in the series, we will explore these changes in more detail and also reflect on how the Mansour Group is evolving as a result. Indeed, we've long regarded the Mansour Group as an early adopter and, and indeed an effector of some of these changes. And I'm keen to explore this this theme with Mr. Mansour um, today and in, and, um, in our next few conversations. Uh, but as in previous episodes, let's begin with an update on some of the key businesses in the group and how they are being impacted by COVID-19. Uh, Fortunately, we're now seeing lockdowns reappearing in Europe, but hopefully these will not be rolled out across the rest of the EMEA region. But it is sadly a time of increased concern and added uncertainty. Nevertheless, starting off with Al-Mansour Automotive, which is one of the largest dealers of General Motors cars in the world. Now, the last time we spoke, Mr. Mansour, the business was on course for a a very good year overall. Um, Is that still the case today? Uh, very much so, Dom. We, uh, we're still on course uh, for about a 20% rise in sales compared to 2019, which is really an amazing uh, result for the year. Uh, if you recall, we uh, during the early phase of the pandemic, uh, starting in March, April, May, uh, the, the level of the performance uh, for that year was not very clear. Uh, we uh, recorded strong sales in the first quarter, January through March of 2020. But the lockdown, when it came around, uh, impacted the world and impacted, of course, uh, the global supply chain. And we were down uh, considerably in the second quarter. Uh, Closer to home, uh, we had to close uh, some of our dealerships in Egypt for a period. Uh, That was during the pandemic uh, from March uh, through June. In addition, uh, the uh, motor vehicle department of the government that registered the new vehicle sales had to close also. It made it impossible for us to uh, sell vehicles and provide delivery of the new stock. Uh, But by June, things started to return to normal. And all that uh, pent-up demand that was built up uh, helped us to drive some of our strongest ever sales. Uh, We spoke about this on the last episode. Uh, Business has been exceptionally good considering the macroeconomic environment that we see around the world today. Uh, 
Uh, we're reporting especially strong sales figures for the new uh, MG uh, vehicle, which comes from China. Uh, indeed, I'm very pleased to report that we have signed an agreement with MG owners, which is SAIC, which is one of the largest uh, market cap uh, corporations in China, uh, which means that we will be the exclusive uh, distributor for these vehicles in sub-Saharan Africa, which of course could bring us uh, long-term uh, growth for MG and the Mansours in the sub-Saharan uh, and African region. Uh, this agreement is very new, uh, but I will be able to share more details uh, on it in the next episode. Very interesting. I mean, that really is a very significant deal, I'm sure, for the automotive business. Um, and, and indeed, I gather that the MG is selling very well already in Egypt. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, well, as you know, Dom, we've uh, for many years we've been recognized globally as the leader of Ger uh, leader of General Motors. Uh, dealers worldwide, uh, and people trust the Mansour brand name in Egypt. Uh, but bringing in the MG brand and adding some other new lines, including vehicles from Isuzu of Japan, uh, Chevrolet uh, and Peugeot of France, as well as Opel, has added significant value to the company and expanded our market share in the country. Uh, I'd say 2020 has been a, a great year for the Mansour auto business. Uh, so that that has been well beyond our expectations, considering what's been happening with the COVID uh, around the world. Uh, just with MG, uh, we've gone. Uh, we we started uh, from around 2,000 vehicles sales in 2018, went up to about 4,000, and this year we're projecting 16,000 vehicles in 2020, uh, assuming, of course, that we end the year uh, strongly. Uh, these have been really outstanding growth rates, and this has also meant that we could increase the size of our team substantially. So we're hiring people, and not all employers uh, have been in our shoes and were able to do this and take on more employees in 2020. I know uh, that one of the themes of this series of podcasts is how we add value and contribute to our communities. It makes me really very proud to be able to add so many new positions at a time when, the, when you know, the COVID has been making countries around the world uh, suffer with unemployment. And as I've said on many occasions, growth is in our DNA and it makes us really extremely pleased and happy. Mm. Now, on our, thank you. On our next podcast, I, I suggest we talk some more um, about the Sub-Saharan partnership with, with MG. But moving on to Mantrak, uh, which of course is your Caterpillar distribution business. How is it performing now? Um, as we near the end of 2020? Uh, Mantrak, uh, Dom, has, was also affected at the beginning uh, during the pandemic time, uh, during the, mar the months of March, March, April, and May. Uh, but because it offers a very di diversified offering, uh, Caterpillar does, it provides, uh, it proved that this year again uh, is virtually recession-proof, uh, providing uh, that the, the company... Uh, because, you know, our strength has been the services that we provide our customers with good value, uh, which we pride uh, in ourselves. And that has really helped our sales to be up maybe 5 to 10%. That's what we're projecting uh, in uh, the year end 2020. Uh, and a big reason for this is that uh, machines are also in demand. Uh, you know, a Caterpillar is so diversified, as I mentioned, that 
you know, if if oil prices go down, uh, gold has been coming up, and uh, this has been a, s- a safe haven uh, during an economic downturn, and this stimulates more investment in mining extraction. Also, Egypt as a market, uh, uh, due to the massive infrastructure uh, plan that the government has implemented uh, in roads, in, in new cities, in, in, in buildings, in uh, uh, supporting you know, the, the total infrastructure, uh, also the metro line, has helped uh, increase our sales for uh, caterpillar products in Egypt. But I also want to add, uh, you know, that also in, in times like this, there has been also a, a strong demand for our parts and service supply. And this, this is very important for the caterpillar business because the, the profit margin that we realize from parts is, of course, higher. Uh, sometimes we have to sell machines uh, at basically at break even. Uh, but we know that the part supply will be coming in uh, for uh, months and years to come, and this helps us uh, to to maintain our, our profit position uh, and our bottom line, and even increase on that. And I also want to I also like to take this opportunity to pay tribute to the Caterpillar organization itself. It's a great business. Uh, they they look after their distributors and partners incredibly well. They provide excellent product worldwide, and we've we've been very fortunate since uh, we were appointed as a caterpillar distributor uh, in 1977 uh, to have been able to work with them, learn from them, and grow the business for them not only in Egypt but in other markets uh, that we have been uh, assigned uh, basically all over the world. Well, that, that that does all sound very positive, but um, presumably you, know, you, you worry about the impact that the second wave uh, might have and what it could mean for the automotive and the caterpillar businesses, as well as your other businesses. I mean, um, how 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 concerned are you? I have to admit, I'm you know I'm quite concerned. I mean, it looks like as I see it today that we are witnessing the second wave already. It's happening. Uh, we saw. Uh, the lockdown that's being implemented in the UK, effective November 5th, uh, the lockdown in France, the lockdown in Spain, and many European countries. Uh, this has basically a lot of risk uh, and will have an impact on, on the economies around the world and probably on uh, some of the Mansour Group uh, businesses. Uh, it might affect, of course, businesses in Egypt as well as businesses around the world. But because we are so diversified and we managed our business prudently, uh, also, you know, as, as you well know, I'm, I'm an optimist by nature, and I always say that treatments will happen. Uh, vaccines uh, probably, hopefully, uh, will come about in the first or second quarter of 2021. So uh, I think the challenge is going to be that we get through this winter and hopefully things can recover in 2021. Uh, however, I also hope that, you know, if, you know, with this lockdown, it won't affect, you know, uh, the sales in, in November and December uh, uh, for, for our product line. Uh, for now, in Egypt, the economy is actually growing at 4%. Uh, 
which is very strong, uh, thanks to the low interest rates and the government stimulus uh, program, as well as uh, the government, as well as the $8 billion uh, loan coming in from the IMF, and the very strong uh, infrastructure uh, plan and boom that's happening in Egypt. Uh, this, this, uh, and also the numbers uh, of uh, the, 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 the COVID cases in Egypt has been well below uh, expectations as well as the numbers of deaths. Um, so the, the the consumer confidence has remained high despite uh, the pandemic. I just hope also that uh, the production facilities in Europe uh, of the motor vehicles, whether it be Opel or uh, Peugeot, are not affected and we're able to get the supply because we do have uh, a strong pipeline of orders uh, in line and we'd like to finish uh, the year on a high. Uh, so let's wait and see with the second wave uh, how it will affect uh, the businesses. But being the optimist, I hope it will not have that great an impact over the coming three to six months. Mm. Well, let's see. Let, let's hope so. And, and, and whatever happens, uh, uh, hopefully the impact will be uh, modest and, and, and only temporary. Well, let's take a quick break now, and when we return, uh, we'll take a wider look at the crisis and consider other factors that might affect the global economy um, in 2020. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Mansour Voice podcast, uh, and welcome back to Mr. Mohammed Mansour, the co-chair of the Mansour Group. In part one, Mr. Mansour and I discussed how some key business units in the group have performed during 2020, um, and we learned that business remains strong, um, uh, even though the outlook with the pandemic um, is, is, is more uncertain. Um, and, and clearly risks remain, however, and, 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 and the second wave, which certainly appears to be sweeping Europe at the moment, uh, could, could cause a further temporary setback. So in this part of the episode, I'd like to ask Mr. Mansour, if I may, um, about the future, uh, the future of the global economy, and also whether the changes that COVID-19 has brought about will, like the pandemic itself, be merely temporary, or whether you think these changes are permanent. Um, could we begin, though, by considering the growth prospects of the global economy? Now, as you know, uh, we have curfews and lockdowns, as you mentioned in the first part of this episode, in a number of European countries, including the UK, where, where, where we're both recording this episode from. So how, how optimistic are you in general about the economic prospects? Well, as you know, Dom, I'm, uh, I'm an optimist by nature, and I like to say that uh, my middle name is Optimist. Uh, uh, but there's at this time at this time I'd say there's a lot of uncertainty uh, to be factual. Uh, on the last uh, podcast, we talked about the disconnect bet between how the stock market is performing and the underlying fundamental health of the economy. Uh, unemployment is rising while equities uh, uh, continue to rise. Uh, but I don't think that this signifies the real picture. Um, we have seen ourselves that manufacturing has recovered, boosting world trade and household spending has generally remained strong as governments have replaced employees, lost earnings with wage uh, subsidies. We've also seen uh, the latest report that the third quarter uh, in the United States has seen a rise of about 30 percent. Uh, 
of growth uh, over uh, the quarter two, um, uh, over the second quarter. But this, of course, is also, uh, there's a lot of, uh, it's not very clear because it came from a low base. But we also know that the lockdowns now have been affected in the UK, in France, in Germany, and many other European countries. We also know that uh, for the first time on record, the United States, uh, the death has gone uh, higher than 230,000. And also, we do realize that new cases uh, this past week have risen above about 100,000 new cases uh, a year, which is quite, quite a large number. Uh, and we also uh, feel that the, the corporate outlook is still uh, very unclear. Uh, and while I'm optimistic in general, business and consumer confidence, I feel, uh, is quite uh, fragile. Indeed, I think the last thing the, the world economy needs now is even more uh, uh, uncertainty. And we're, we're going through uh, an uncertain time. And as you know, business is greatly affected uh, when there is no clarity uh, and no uncertainty. So we'll just have to wait and see uh, how that plays out over the coming months. So I wonder if uh, maybe policymakers can, if there's anything that you think they could do to increase certainty. I mean, are, are there any particular policy changes that you'd like to see administrations around the world implement in order to support the global economy over the coming months? You know, as I had mentioned, I think in earlier episodes of the podcast, uh, this is the first time that we see, uh, when we saw 2009 during the crisis, we saw governments work together collectively to, to, to work to end uh, the, the Great Recession. However, uh, we, what we would need now is for the U.S., uh, for example, to reach out to seek cooperation rather than confrontation over trade uh, with its global partners uh, to be able to spur and move the economy uh, forward. Uh, another thing that worries me a little bit uh, is the dispute with China in particular is the last thing that the glo global economy needs right now. I mean, I, I speak to many people and many politicians and people in the know would say, well, it's time to uh, Confront, uh, confront China and and be able to 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 work, you know, in in improving the trade imbalances between the two countries. But it does affect the market. Uh, and as we emerge uh, from what has already been the greatest challenge of a generation, uh, which we have today in COVID, policymakers need to resist the temptation of a retreat further. I think. Uh, those who favor isolation argue to safeguard economies and strengthen national security. But in my view, they are wrong on both accounts. Um, I hope that the U.S. government resists the temptation to raise tax too much also. Uh, I think the dropping of tax has helped the economy. Uh, the balance needs to be carefully struck between raising funds for important public services while at the same time avoiding policies that could discourage further investment in jobs and growth. Hmm. I suggest we talk about um, uh, this more on our next episode, particularly once we know, of course, the outcome of the US election. But, but moving away from politics, um, what more do you think business people can do? We have, we have an obligation as business leaders. We have the duty to support the communities that we serve and the people we employ. And after all, uh, our main asset, uh, the people I think I've, I've always said are the main asset of the Mansour group. Uh, 
a lot of people have been suffering this year due to COVID and due to unemployment rates. Uh, we have, of course, made a number in order to, to, to counter that. Uh, as the Mansour Group, we've done a lot of donations uh, during the pandemic, particularly in Egypt and some of the African countries. Uh, in Egypt, we did to the Ministry of Health and in African countries, we've done in Ghana and quite a few other countries. In addition, you know, uh, the LEAD Foundation is, is, I always say that's one of the most uh, things I'm very proud of, uh, which I believe we'll be talking about in greater, greater detail in a future episode. This has continued to support uh, uh, small and micro uh, businesses uh, owned by underprivileged women in Egypt. And, and we have... Uh, given over four and a half million loans and non-performing loans are below half a percent. Uh, so we're very proud of the impact that, that's, that that has on, on fighting poverty and, and supporting uh, women, particularly in Egypt. Uh, we continue to invest in, uh, within the Mansour Group uh, in Egypt and in other parts of the world. But above all, it is what I see as our prudent management of our finances. Uh, and our balance sheet, that is our biggest contributor. Our group, our group of companies have very little leverage. Uh, the overall debt to equity ratio is less than one to one. Uh, this means that we're able to navigate uh, stormy economic conditions uh, if and when they do happen. Um, and uh, and with those workers. Um, uh, I wondered whether you're beginning to see uh, lasting changes in the way they're doing their jobs as a result of the pandemic. Uh, clearly, very significant changes have occurred, particularly with so many people in the business working remotely. Uh, that is understandable. And during, during a pandemic, it is also necessary. But I should say that I'm an advocate uh, for uh, the office. Uh, as you know, during the UK's first lockdown in the spring and early summer of 2020, I worked from home. It is disappointing, as we know, that we that now have to leave the office again due to the UK second lockdown, which will be effective uh, next Thursday, the 5th of November. In general, I believe it's better if people can work in an office uh, space. Obviously, of course, we have to follow the government advice, regulations, but I hope we can get back to the office as soon as possible. Working remotely means you lose that social and interpersonal contact that is so important, not only in terms of innovation and productivity, but also for people's well-being and mental health. We're a social animal. As John Don said, no man is an island. Across London, there were there remains millions of square feet of empty space today. That, of course, will have an impact on commercial real estate, on retailers, on hospitality, and lots of other areas of the economy. Indeed. Well, I, I suggest we wrap things up on that note. Um, on our next episode, uh, we should, of course, discuss the outcome of the U.S. presidential election, which which was being held for the benefit of our listeners. Just just shortly after we recorded this episode in early November. Um, uh, we also should talk, um, as you mentioned before, um, about uh, about the great work uh, being done by the LEAD Foundation. Um, and I'd also like us to check in with that very exciting bit of news about your partnership with, with MG and MG's um, owner, 
um, SAIC. Um, but let me thank you, Mr. Mansour, once again for joining us for the Mansour Voice podcast. Thank you, Dominic, and I'm always looking forward to our next episode. So we'll return in the next few weeks with another episode. And do make sure to subscribe on Apple or on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from to ensure you don't miss the next episode. And in the meantime, and as always, to you and your family, stay safe and well. Mm-hmm.